0: Hello, welcome to The Heavy with Andrew and Don, where we cover a wide range of rock and metal topics for the casual listener. I'm your host, Don Sutherland. With me, as always, my brother, Andrew Sutherland. What's up, dirtbags? All right, uh, no mail today. You can always email us at TheHeavyPod at gmail.com if you've got any messages. Uh, Andrew, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about Allison Chains,
1: and mostly All right. the Lane Staley Allison Chains.
0: All right, early Allison Chains. I was trying to think of a pun for chains, but uh, I don't. I don't know what early stage chains look like. So uh, let's just let's just get into it. Yeah, uh, you, you missed your cue. I missed my <laughs> cue. I tried. I I tried to draw it out to think of one, but let's just let's just crack the beers. All right, Andrew. Early Allison chains and uh, Lane Staley Allison chains. Did I mean? He was around for most of the like their major know, career, anyways.
1: Well, not no, actually. I, I think uh, their new singer actually has probably been in the band longer, because Lane Stanley oh, really? died so early. Well, I mean, we'll get into the timeline here. I didn't really do the math on it.
0: And spoiler alert, I guess. he's yeah. Dead. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, that's pretty common knowledge. So like,
0: yeah, you should you should know that already. For
1: anybody who doesn't know, I mean, most people who are familiar with. Rock music would know who Allison Chains is. They're one of the big four grunge bands that came out of Seattle in the uh, late '80s to early '90s, along with Nirvana, Soundgarden, and Pearl Jam. Uh,
0: Screaming Trees also—I think—say they are number one.
1: Uh, Screaming Trees definitely came out of that scene, but they're definitely not in the big four. Uh,
0: Candlebox. (laughs) Candlebox. Candlebox was like a
1: record company collaboration. Like
0: they—they were like (laughs) they're—they're like a fabricated band. I remember you specifically telling me that. That's why I remember yeah. who they are. You so, went on for like 10 minutes explaining how they're
1: shit. Hey, don't get me wrong. I like a couple of their songs, but they definitely aren't like the top grunge bands in my book. I don't even know if they're actually from Seattle, but uh, they definitely jumped on that bandwagon. Yeah. So Alice in Chains would be my personal favorite grunge band. I know a lot of people okay. maybe wouldn't agree. Soundgarden would be the next on my list.
0: Yeah, so Soundgarden is my, uh, for a long time, was my favorite band. It's still one of my favorites, so.
1: Yeah, well, I, 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 I mean, I love all four of them. I like, I, like, I love Nirvana yeah. and Pearl Jam, too. I would just say Alice in Chains and Soundgarden are at the top of my list. Right. So uh, Alice in Chains, commonly known as like, the darkest, heaviest of the grunge big four, both musically and lyrically. And uh, in their first incarnation, they were known for Lane Staley's very distinctive vocal style. And Staley and guitarist Jerry Cantrell uh, their harmonized vocals as well, mm. so uh, All right. a great description that I got from a writer named Simon Glickman. He uh, describes Staley's yeah. vocals as achingly soulful and sinister, which fit perfectly to the band's heavy, brooding sound and angst-ridden lyrics. That was kind of a cool description.
0: A lot of five-dollar words in there, but yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, well, I, I like good. stealing other people's words. I just got to make sure I give them credit, <laughs> so they don't think they're mine. <laughs> yeah,
0: fair hey, they're not gonna lo- they're not gonna hear us.
1: No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> we can steal whatever we want. So uh, th- one of the books that I was reading is a book by a guy named David DeSola. It's called Alice in Chains, The Untold Story. And it's a really good okay. in-depth look at the band uh, going all the way back to the beginning. But it was uh, it was a book that was made without the cooperation of the band. So he talked to a lot of people that were involved with the band in the early days and their family members. Right. So there's a lot, of, a lot of conflicting timelines and stories in there, but lots of interesting stuff.
0: Just like not not directly confirmed by the band?
1: Yeah, the band didn't didn't agree to contribute to it. So uh-huh. I got some of my material from that book. Uh, and like, like I was saying, just full disclosure that there's... Some of these stories have several different accounts. So some of the timelines that I might talk about might conflict with other ones. And it's just because in the book, the stories actually conflict sometimes. So. Okay. So going back to the start, which is something I'm going to bet you probably don't know.
0: But Lane Staley was in a glam band called Sleaze. Uh, yeah, did, did not know that. I, the extent of my knowledge about Lane Staley is that he's he's dead, and I think he did a lot of heroin.
1: Oh yeah, well you're gonna learn a lot today.
0: So that's <laughs> <laughs> that's but oh, he's a good singer. So three things. So great, no, I did not singer. know he was in a glam band.
1: So the yeah, the band was called Sleaze, and it was spelled S L E Z E, although in the U.S. Okay. it would be S L E Z E, I guess. Okay. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you gotta you gotta make it accessible for yeah. everybody. <laughs> and they played
1: mostly covers.
0: So okay. <laughs> this is a strong start. Okay.
1: Couple of couple of random facts from back in the day when they had this band. Uh Sleaze actually had a cameo in a, a little known movie called Father Rock. And I honestly couldn't find a copy of this movie anywhere. It's probably pretty hard to find. And I Father I couldn't Rock. tell you what the movie was about. Oh, but sounds promising though. <laughs> there's a there's a scene in the movie uh, where the band Sleeze is performing live but the director actually dubbed over their uh, audio track with a song by another band called Gypsy Rose and the song's called In for Trouble. So the band's in it but you can't actually hear them play the song
0: that they're supposed to be playing. They <laughs> dub-, <Yeah. laughs> dub over it. Uh, yeah. also Father Rock does not exist on IMDb mm. the great lost movie. I know I looked day. it up. It does it does exist because
1: <laughs> there is a clip on YouTube which I will uh, I'll post a link to later on, on our Facebook page. Great. So just some other stuff back from from their past. A great quote from Staley from uh, to one of his Sleaze bandmates at the time, Nick Pollock. His quote was, "I'm a star. It's just nobody knows it yet." <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. So he already had some confidence. Yeah, yeah.
0: good, good, early good on
1: mentality. Yeah, yeah. And this is back when they were basically nobody, just playing like you know local stuff, doing covers. So the origin of the name Allison Chains, as the story goes in the book that I was reading, uh, it it actually started from a Sleaze backstage pass that read something like Slee's Welcome to Wonderland Tour. And then the, the discussion went from Alice in Wonderland and devolved into Alice in Bondage and then to Alice in Chains. And uh, wow. the guy that was credited for first conceiving it was a guy named Russ Klatt. He was uh, from a band called Slaughterhouse-Five that was uh, See, around them at the time.
0: I have uh, a different account of that because um, in, in the fantastic book series Uncle John's Bathroom Reader, of which I've read many, uh, they they have a little thing about Alice and Chains, and they say that they got their name from uh, an episode of The Honeymooners, because mm-hmm. apparently like they were watching it, and then there's the I guess there's a character named Alice in it, and the guy was like, I would like to see my wife wa- my wife Alice in Chains. I'm gonna probably go with this account of it <laughs> because
1: because in you know, the bathroom reader, I'm sure it has got some good stuff in it, but this is right from sources <laughs> that were
0: with the band. That's what I was gonna when say. Happened, yeah, I'm so. going to discount. Uncle John's bathroom reader. Yeah. Uh, however much I've enjoyed it, I'm gonna say they might have gotten that one wrong. Well, this
1: honestly, like this this account sounds a little bit more believable. So uh, after they came up with this name, the band members' mothers didn't like the name, and they ended up compromising by changing it to Alice N Chains, like uh, you know, Guns N' Roses, just the N instead of oh, N. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, don't tell them about the metal band goat whore I really wouldn't like that one or or, or, or uh, I, I actually don't even want to say it can I say it <laughs> uh, I mean Ian, Ian can
1: maybe Ian will bleep it you, you ever <laughs> heard, ever heard of a band reaction. called ever heard of a band called anal cunt <laughs> huh that's probably the most offensive no I haven't one of the most offensive band <laughs>
0: names out there hmm, can't say I have one of these
1: days I'll read off a list of uh, a bunch of their tracks and we'll get a good laugh out of it <laughs> Are they all in the same theme? Pretty, they're pretty they're all fairly offensive and, and hilarious. Okay. Um so this, this Alice I'll I'll pronounce it Alice N chains just so people know okay. what I'm referring to. But this was actually still an incarnation of sleaze and not the Alice in Chains that would make it big years later.
0: Right. Okay. So, so it's, the still, name, it's still the glam band in this point. Yeah, yeah, they are. And what what year is this again? Though? Uh this
1: would be like, Whenever you ask me the year, I never have it written down. I'd say this is probably about 1986, 87,
0: right there. Okay. Okay. So like mid, mid, late 80s. Yeah. Right. So
1: the name change from Sleaze to Alice in Chains was actually announced in a Seattle music newspaper called The Rocket, and one of the band members called the paper to ask their opinion, and the girl that answered the phone, she responded, "Hate it. Don't like it," <laughs> about their name. Oh. <laughs> so. All
0: right.
1: Which ended up being like the name of you know one of the biggest. Selling rock bands of the '90s,
0: yeah.
1: So back then, the glam version of Alice and Chains, they used goofy onstage glam gimmicks, like someone going on stage so they could check their makeup with a mirror. Oh uh, pretty different from like the dark, brooding image they would have later on. And yeah, I'm
0: just I'm picturing the the music video for Man in the Box. <laughs> it's like, huh? They're definitely not checking their makeup in
1: that one. Yeah, oh, they definitely took a. In that time period, glam rock went out and grunge became a thing. So, yeah, all the the visuals and everything changed a lot. Right? Another thing that Lane used to do sometimes he would ride on stage on a big wheels and he'd have a sign that read the Lane Mobile on it. And he was spoofing Rob okay, Halford that's... from Judas Priest because he used to ride on stage with a, on a motorcycle on their shows sometimes.
0: Okay, well, <laughs> even if he's not spoofing, that would just be that would just be amazing. That would get me so pumped up if I was watching a show and the guy came out on a big wheel. Come on. I just, uh, I miss
1: Big Wheels. Those things were awesome.
0: You miss, you miss Big Wheels.
1: <laughs> so Lane ended up working at this place called the Music Bank, where uh, the money he made allegedly went straight into the band's rent for their rehearsal space. So the, there was a big story about the Music Bank, but it was basically a, a commercial building that they made into a bunch of like little rooms that were rehearsal spaces that bands would rent out back in Seattle back okay. in the day. Uh, so Jerry Cantrell, who would become the guitarist for Alice in Chains. He recollected that he met Lane after watching him perform at an Alice in Chains show, and he was invited to live in the rehearsal space that Lane lived in at the music bank. So he was actually, they were living in the rehearsal space, which they weren't well, really I mean, hey,
0: if it's if, if you got access to it.
1: Mm-hmm. Might as well. Not? I mean, yeah, like why why pay rent somewhere? You can just crash in your band rehearsal space. So Cantrell was at the time in a band called Diamond Lie, and the band ended up falling apart in its first incarnation. And then he briefly joined a band called G- Gypsy Rose, who was that band that they overdubbed the song for in that uh, right. that movie. This is where he met bassist Mike Starr, who had become the first bassist for Alice in Chains. And he actually played on stage with Alice and Chains for a song during one of their last shows as well, Jerry Cantrell.
0: Is there is there an Alice or Chains?
1: I, <laughs> I don't know. That would be probably less confusing than these two.
0: Uh, yeah, it sounds less similar.
1: <laughs> so, Jerry was forming a new band in late 1987. So, at the time, Lane didn't want to commit. So, the deal was that Lane would sing in, sing in Jerry's band, and Jerry would play guitar in Lane's new band, which was a funk band called 40 Years of Hate, which I can uh, put a link on. There's a couple of tracks that are actually on YouTube that from this band. They're actually not, not too bad at all. Kind of interesting hearing uh, Lane Staley sing some funk. So... He's uh, he's actually
0: forty years of hate.
1: Yeah, that was the name of the band.
0: Hmm. I was trying to think of like where that might have come from.
1: Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't look into it too far. They didn't. They weren't together for too long, but they did put out a few songs. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mm-hmm. some other band names that they considered using at the time for their new band was Mothra, and uh, one of the band like names the, that like the Godzilla villain. I, I believe so. Yeah, and then uh, one of the names that Sean <laughs> Kinney came up with was Fuck. That was just the name. Just the, just, like, the, yeah. just the one word. Just the word,
0: yeah. Shout <laughs> out to, what was it? Anal cunt? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shout out them. Yeah. You know, could always be worse. <laughs> yeah, true enough. Or better, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> it's true.
1: Uh, so after that, Jerry ended up getting permission to use the name Diamond Lie from his old band members. So Jerry, Mike, and Sean wanted Lane for their band full time, and they kind of tricked them into joining their band. They put out ads auditioning the worst singers they could find. Like, they got some guy who was just a red-headed male stripper, like, people who couldn't sing at all. And then they uh, they would pretend they really liked them, even though they were terrible, just to piss off Lane, because he'd be like, well, oh, I'm way better than these guys. Yeah,
0: it's pretty funny. So they, they yeah, just, you gotta add fuel to the fire,
1: yeah. Yeah, so they were hoping that he would just quit his other bands and join them, which he ended up doing. So it worked. So this is the formation of Alice Chains, essentially. But at the time, right. they uh, they were still using the name Diamond Lie.
0: Okay.
1: So the band got noticed when an acquaintance of Melinda Starr, this guy named Randy Hauser, he heard them on a demo tape that Melinda had given him, uh, like quite a while back. It was like her boyfriend's band. And he just kind of threw it in a pile and forgot about it. And a friend of his who was an A&R guy from Atlantic Records, he happened upon it while he was staying at his place. And uh, he was like, oh, who are these guys or whatever? And ended up getting back to them and they found out who they were. And... Uh, Shortly after this, so this is like how they started getting noticed by record company guys. And uh, shortly right. after this, they changed the name from to Alice in Chains from Diamond Lie. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is allegedly prompted by Hauser after Lane got permission from his old his old band to use that name.
0: That's interesting, even though it's like a different name technically.
1: Yeah, well, th- I mean, I Alice I mean, in Chains was the original name, it. but they had to change it mm-hmm. to Alice and Chains to. Oh, make their okay. Happy. So I guess. Yeah. It's-
0: Still connected to the band. Okay, all right. Yeah,
1: so it's really going back, not right to the start, but going back quite a ways, and they Mm -hmm. ended up using that old name. Uh, So their first official recording was an EP called We Die Young in July 1990. We Die Young being the first song that would eventually be their debut album. That debut album, Facelift, was released on August 1990 and became a big hit once the single Man in the Box got onto regular rotation on MTV. And then the album... Uh, was, oh, that
0: was on their first That was on their first album, eh? Hey?
1: That was their... Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was the first song on their... Oh, no, sorry. Man in the Box wasn't the first song. It was the second song, but...
0: Um, but it was on the first album. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: So they're... Although they're considered a grunge band, they're also metal kind of as well, right? You know, I know yeah. some of these tours that they went on with some of the heavier bands, they got like a lot of flack because they weren't like as heavy as some of these bands. But, mm-hmm. I mean, to me, I, I would have loved to see them. You know, even if I went to go see... A thrash show. But, yeah. Oh
0: yeah, because like I, I'm, th- I'm thinking of like comparing the two. Like they're they're heavy. They're maybe just a little bit. Well, they're definitely definitely a lot slower. Like they definitely don't play at a yeah. thrash pace, right? Yeah, yeah. It's but still it's still, still like it's it's heavy with then like the the music and the themes. Like everything is.
1: Yeah, for sure. And they did they did yeah. tour with a lot of metal bands, right back in the back in the day. Mm-hmm. So uh, after putting out an acoustic EP called Sap, they released their second full-length album, *Dirt*, in 1992, and this would end up being their mm-hmm. biggest-selling album, and would deal heavily with the subject of addiction. I think like half the songs of the album are about addiction, which is
0: and it has my uh, has my favorite Alice in Chains song, *Wood*. Wood, yeah, that's that's definitely one of my. Yeah, favorites. Sorry, it's it's a what? Wood, yeah, Let's that's got a question mark at the end. Wood,
1: not my favorite, but it's definitely one of my favorites. That's a uh, an excellent song.
0: I'm a sucker for a for a catchy chorus.
1: So just I'm I'm just kind of going through the timeline of their of their releases with Lane Staley. Yeah, I don't really talk much about like the acoustic live stuff because to be honest, I'm not a huge acoustic live fan of like pretty much any band. Even though, don't get me wrong, there's gonna be some songs there that I would definitely enjoy,
0: but it's just not really my thing. Even would you say you don't like MTV Live Unplugged then Nirvana? It's
1: not like I don't like it. It's just that I would prefer like if I had the choice between studio albums and live acoustic stuff i prefer studio albums there uh, even the straight up live albums i'm not always a huge fan of them but there are some
0: really good ones right. yeah i uh, i'm not a, a huge fan of the live albums either but uh, like the, the acoustic ones at least for i can understand not liking it but yeah. some sometimes a nice reprise is a reprise well reprise, there are some
1: songs that really come out very well in that format yeah i got to i'll mm-hmm. say that so, mm-hmm. it probably depends on the songs.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, in
1: 1994, they released another EP. It's got some great tunes on it. Jar of Flies is excellent. But the the whole EP is pretty solid as far as, uh you know, acoustic yeah. goes.
0: Yeah, uh, I was going to say, like, I, I Stay Away is a is a standout song for me, for mm-hmm. Alice in Chains.
1: I'm sure you've heard Nutshell, too. It's on the radio. and no Oh, yeah, will. yeah.
0: I just, like... uh. Specifically, that there was a point where you would recognize all three of these songs because they're
1: all they all get radio play. Yeah, in November '95, they released their third and final full length studio album with Lance Daily on vocals. It's the self titled one, which it was the first Alice in Chains album that I bought myself when it first came out because I was at the right age for it at the time, and I heard a couple of singles on the radio and had -hmm. to have it. I listened to that one a lot, so uh,
0: oh yeah, I just I I popped it open to listen to the, the track list also. Some some standouts. Heaven Heaven beside you, excellent song.
1: Yeah, I think that was the second, the second single released from that album. Yep. So, I don't want to go too much into. Uh, like Staley had a fairly well known heroin problem. Like he was dealing with addiction issues for for years and years, substance abuse. Yeah. And uh, I, well, if they really wrote a whole album about it, so. Yeah, well, for sure. Uh, there's tons of songs about addiction, yeah. but I I just I don't want to get too deep into like, the nasty details of it, because it's kind of... I just want to... Just out of respect, because there's a lot of things that people talk about, like his, you know, physical condition and all the things that, like, were happening in time, and I just... I just kind of want to be respectful to his memory. Um, But he did uh, deal with those ongoing issues with substance abuse, which eventually led to his tragic death in 2002. Um, Okay, it was 2002. Mm. So... So... uh, Cantrell's vocal harmonies with Staley and Alice Chains are pretty legendary, but Jerry downplays his vocal abilities... And he used this great metaphor in that same Krang interview. He said, uh, I think my voice is okay. Some people have superlative voices. I'm not like a Lamborghini or Ferrari. I'm more like a Chevy truck. It's not a bad thing to be a Chevy truck. It's steady and gets the job done. <laughs> so, uh,
0: this that sounds like a product placement to me, but all right, sure. I'm like a Chevy truck, reliable, good on gas, better than Ford, you know, Yeah, yeah. like that. <laughs> As I
1: eat my Pizza Hut and drink my Pepsi. And <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> so uh, just to fly through a few more random facts. Uh, Jerry Cantrell was president of his high school choir, which he joined, uh, for the chicks. Huh?
0: Apparently that's a you thing. You don't think of like, you know what? It worked in American pie. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, this actually kind of ties into one of our previous podcasts. A couple years before he was even in a band, uh, Jerry Cantrell watched Pantera play in a little bar in Texas. And this was when, uh, Terry Glaze was still the lead singer. And right. Jerry had pretty high praise for Dimebag Daryl's guitar skills. Even though they were about the same age, he said yeah, Daryl was really good.
0: Oh yeah, no, I remember AMH. those. I remember listening to the early Pantera tracks very well because it's like, oh yeah, he still stands out. Oh, he was like quite a, a bit.
1: Seventeen years old and he was out shredding, all those like mm-hmm. guys that were ten years older than him. Uh, in a Guitar World interview, Cantrell recalls giving Axel Rose and Allison Chain's demo tape after meeting him at a GNR show, and this is before Allison Chain's made it big. And he actually watched Axel throw it away as he was walking away. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Axel didn't really have much foresight.
0: To be fair, that's just an Axel Rose thing. To do. it's a
1: total Axel move, definitely. Yeah. Uh, in another Guitar World interview, Jerry Cantrell admits that he's not a very technically proficient guitarist. So, in his own words, when he discusses his solos, he says, "I couldn't tell you what notes I'm playing or what scale I'm using. I can't tell you that. I just kind of fumble around until I find it." But I mean, to me personally, like I'm not a guitar guy, so I wouldn't I wouldn't know the difference. But uh, he's managed to write tons of memorable solos and riffs over the years, and obviously he has like a natural knack and feel for it. And uh, he was,
0: yeah, I mean, if he's just stumbling around like Allison Chain's songs, they're not. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's he's not Dimebag Daryl, but he's not he's not just playing nonsense.
1: Yeah, well, I think he's mostly talking about, you know, like technical classical training where you can mm-hmm. read music and write in the notes and scales and all that crap, right? Yeah, but, was, I mean, there's, still there's lots you know, of, guys there's who don't, of
0: guys that can't do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, he obviously knows what he's doing because he was ranked by Guitar World 38th out of 100 greatest heavy metal guitarists of all time in 2004, so oh, yeah, he's definitely absolutely. gotten some recognition. Uh, so we are talking about how Lane Staley passed away in 2002. Uh, the band's last show performing with him as their vocalist was actually opening for KISS in 1996. And uh, after that show, Staley ended up ODing. He did recover, but the, the band went on hiatus and they never performed with him again. Pretty, right. pretty sad.
0: Okay, so they kind of ended it there for him.
1: Yeah. Well, and and the band ended up so they had a hiatus for quite a few years, and they ended up regrouping in 2006 with a new lead singer and rhythm guitarist named William Duval, and they put out mm-hmm. three more pretty solid studio albums: uh, Black Gives Way to Blue, The Devil Put Dinosaurs Here, and Rainier Fog, which uh, they're, they're all actually, they're, they're all pretty good. good. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. And uh, I just okay. I mean, we only have so much time, so I'm not going to get into like the uh, the next stage of their of, of the band.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I, I Honestly, I haven't listened to any post-Lane Staley uh, Allison Chains, so that's something I'm not even familiar with. I,
1: I think awesome. you, you would enjoy it.
0: There's definitely some good songs. Yeah, okay. I'll have to check them out. That's it for the the main part of the show, so we're down to the workout playlist. All right, yeah, let's move into the workout playlist section. I ain't got time to bleed.
1: Let's put a smile on that face. Alright, so we're gonna start out with a song that we've already talked about. The song is We Die Young. It's the first song off of their first album, Facelift. And no matter how many times I've listened to the song over the years, it like never fails to give me chills right from the the kick-ass opening riff and Staley's angry vocals. And uh the song was apparently about the gang violence among the youth in Seattle at the time.
0: Uh yeah, I actually I've really only listened to uh, Dirt extensively, so I've never heard the song before, although I have All listened for to a, a decent amount of Alice in Chains. Yeah, okay. Uh, let's give this a shot. We die young. We die young. Right away I'm going back to um sorry the guitarist's name again Jerry Cantrell Jerry Cantrell is saying that he wasn't the most technically proficient guy but it's like this isn't this isn't just like your run of the mill like thrash riff like it's a little more complicated than that so I'm just like I'm I'm thinking like man he's really selling himself short or he's just super modest because it's like you can tell he's really good Well I mean like
1: I I, I was trying to find a good like breakdown of his guitar style, and it was it was it was hard for me to find something as I've been able to with other guitarists. But yeah. when you listen to him, he's he, you can say that Lane Staley has this distinctive vocal style, but Jerry Cantrell has a very distinctive guitar like a, a, a writing style,
0: mm-hmm. right? Like the way he writes. But he he, he really stuff. like drives the song like it's. Oh yeah, like the, it's very the,
1: dense. His guitar work is very very dense
0: and like very heavy.
1: It's always yeah it's very no, slow Like, it's exactly. never it's it's a different type of music. It's not like thrash where it's really fast and. It's so such. A, it's like a heavy wall of guitar, you know.
0: Yeah. No. And it's really like it's it's almost the centerpiece. Yeah, for sure. Okay, number two, "Man in the Box." I have to. I have to get okay. "Man in the Box" in here. Oh, Okay. Uh, yeah.
1: One, one of Alice in Chains' most recognizable songs, obviously. Uh, it was the eventual mm-hmm. hit single off of Facelift, and it's got Cantrell's like wah wah guitar effect. Uh, that's the, the technical term mm-hmm. for it. And Staley's vocals building up from like a subdued verse to the soaring, powerful chorus. And according to Jerry Cantrell, the song was about how government and media control the public's perception of events. I mean, there's Hmm. different people have different interpretations, (laughs) but I'm getting this right from trying to get it right from the band themselves. And uh, another quick note was Cantrell's solo on the song was ranked 77th out of 100 greatest guitar solos from Guitar World 2008.
0: I mean, that makes sense, honestly. Like it's a it's a classic song, so yeah. I know I love it, but let's go yep. to listen anyways. Uh, Man in the box. even know I don't even know if I can review the song it's a good song you'll like it
1: yeah yeah right, number three them bones the first song off their second album dirt so them bones starts right into like a dark heavy riff and coupled with staley's like blood-chilling shouts right at the start he just he's just Mm -hmm. screaming right off the bat a song about mortality that keeps coming at you it's got some more of that dense guitar and a pretty catchy hook at the chorus So you'll notice right away, as soon as you start the song, you'll, you'll hear Staley scream right away.
0: I mean, just another another Allison Chain's classic. I I don't know why I didn't focus more on it before, but now that I'm like listening to more of the the guitar, I'm just appreciating yeah. it more.
1: Yeah, for sure. It, I know like reading that stuff about Jerry Cantrell downplaying his own guitar uh, prowess. It, it, even though it was him saying it, but to me, I'm like, hey, you know
0: what, man, you're you're an amazing guitarist. Like I'm not. Yeah. I don't care what you say. <laughs> like Absolutely. I don't know much about a- guitar technically, but. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm liking him more because I uh, like I know it's it's secondhand and from a book, but it it kind of sounds like from a, a genuine place. Where he's just like, eh, I don't really think I'm that good, but he's like clearly <laughs> very 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 good. Except, except everyone else does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, number four. Yeah,
1: number four. So so we're gonna take it back a notch here. Like some of the songs on this list aren't gonna be fast and heavy like my usual mo. So mm-hmm. maybe a, a little bit counter to a normal workout playlist, but. I can't not put some of Alice in Chains' slower stuff in because that's some of their best songs. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Down in a Hole from Dirt. And so, like I said, slowing it down a few notches. Uh, this is my favorite song from the album, I would say. And I used to sing to it all the time in my car when I was a teenager and no one was looking at me. Interesting. So this is one of the several one of several songs on that album that are about addiction. And the lyrics and the music are both just haunting and beautiful.
0: Oh, look at, look at you getting these... Uh descriptions in uh poetically eh? all right yeah. down in a hole <laughs> allison chains stop talking about Jerry Cantrell but like it's just like even in this like well he can also mm. play like a nice soft melody oh they have some great acoustic stuff mm. in their songs now I'm just <laughs> I just get this image of like a Jerry Cantrell in they're like ripping this amazing solo and he's like yeah I guess it was okay <laughs> but there, there's something about somebody
1: being self-deprecating that I find like I like that I like people who don't think too, too much of themselves even though they are really good there's something endearing about that Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. For Number five? Five?
1: Yeah. I'm going to go with Rooster, also from Dirt. Nice. So this right. is another very recognizable Alice in Chains song that gets a lot of mainstream rock radio airplay.
0: Yeah, and it's just a simple song about ranching, right? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> oh, okay. So Rooster
1: mind. was actually Jerry Cantrell's tribute to his estranged father, who was a Vietnam vet. And Rooster was his father's nickname that was given to him by his father's great grandfather because oh, no. he was a cocky kid and his hair stuck up on the top of his head.
0: <laughs> oh, no. So the lyric, Here They Come to Snuff the Rooster, is about him and the well, war?
1: It, it's about him and the war, yeah.
0: Oh, no. Now I feel bad. <laughs> yeah. So in an article by a guy named Henry
1: Yates on Louder Sound, Ketcherell relates that he played the song for his father and it ended up bringing them closer, and which oh, is kind of cool. That's kind of nice. And it's because they, they, yeah, they wrote a touch for quite a while. Um, The song starts great and it builds up to like a memorable, uh, Mm -hmm. slow but heavy chorus.
0: All right. Rooster. Yeah, they come to snuff the rooster. yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I really I'm a big fan of uh, songs with a slow build, so I love that song.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love when songs build up to, and mm-hmm. just kick in.
0: Cool. All right, uh, number six.
1: All right, this is gonna be a bit of a long workout playlist, so okay. Uh, I'm gonna do number six. I'm gonna yeah, do your your favorite song. Wood. Wood. Gotta, what? Uh, what? Wood get that question mark in there. So this is uh picking a fourth song off of Dirt. Which seems like a lot, but this was their best-selling selling album, so it's kind of fitting. So Cantrell actually wrote this song as a tribute to Andrew Wood, who was the late singer of the influential Seattle band Mother Love Bone. Right. And this song's got a little bit of light and shade into it, like we talked to talked about that before, and mm-hmm. a really catchy chorus.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite choruses of like all time, honestly. All right, Wood or Wood. This song, I feel like more than any of the other ones, that like Lane Staley really like shows his range. Yeah, like you can hear just how talented he is as well. Well, that's
1: that's what I really find with Down in a Hole as well. His mm-hmm. vocals in Down in a Hole are amazing.
0: Yeah, really good choruses. I love the slow build because it's almost like a, a prog rock kind of uh, system, but then like a lot heavier. Yeah, and not as much like meandering. Yeah, I know Their songs are still fairly straightforward. Yeah, there's not like a minute of like the yeah. sound of a train rolling over the tracks so, like, like you can get
1: <laughs> complex, complex songs. enough to be interesting, but not over complex so that you just get uh, bored. yeah,
0: cough, cough. Some some songs by Tool, cough, cough. cough. Oh, my mic
1: there. Yeah, there's there's a time and a place for Tool. <laughs> uh, all right, yeah, number seven a song called "Grind." It's the first song from their uh, their self-titled album. So. I've I've got the first song from all all three of their first full length albums, the first the first three with Lane Staley, and because for some reason every first song on every album is amazing. So <laughs> hey, they, they start strong.
0: On. That's the they definitely know how to write a first song. So that is the pattern. Uh, hey, that's okay. good. That's important. Uh, I know of many albums that like start strong and then end badly, but like it kind of uh, you, I think fondly of them because at least like the first half is really good.
1: At least, yeah, at least there's something to, get, to to grab you and pull you in, right? Yeah. Like, uh, I oh, first yeah. heard this song as a single on a radio station called The Bear in Edmonton back in, I guess, the 1995. Uh, it's another great opening riff. It's got some dark lyrics, great chorus. The song was allegedly about uh, discounting all the rumors in the media about the band at the
0: time. Okay. So, uh, yeah, give it a listen. All right, grind, Alice in Chains. I said that... <laughs> I say the band like <laughs> uh, we haven't been talking about them for the last. Is it Alice in Chains? You don't say. This is so. This is Nirvana or who is it? Um, Some band <laughs> or, <though. laughs> grind. Yes, This one, I gotta say, it might not be like my f- favorite of theirs. It's almost like too plotting. Hmm. It might, it might just yeah. be nostalgic for me. Yeah, of, fair. Enough. Like it's still, I, I still, uh, I like the style and everything. But in terms of like the other songs, it might not be my favorite. But uh, yeah. like, you still hear. I, I like the guitar work. It's got a pretty catchy chorus. Did you get through the chorus mm-hmm. yet? Yeah. I do, I do like that. I do like the chorus. The solo is, the solo is nice. All right, number eight, number eight. A song that you
1: have already talked about, I believe. Uh, Heaven beside you. Okay.
0: It's oh the, yeah. Ah, love that song.
1: That's the second single from that same album, the self-titled album. Right. It's, it's more of a ballad. It's not really much of a workout song, but it's like really, it's a great acoustic ballad. Um, mm. More of a ballad through the choruses gets a bit heavier for, or sorry, through the, through the verses gets a bit heavier for the chorus. And yeah. uh, it's got a nice solo near the end, uh, great lyrics, which is supposedly about uh, a relationship that Cantrell messed up, that went wrong. Hmm. So, I, as right. usual, uh, fairly dark.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I was, I was going to say, like, I remembering this, and I'll, I'll play it and, and, t- and talk about it. It's like, even for a ballad, it's got definitely, like, a d- dark tone to it. Yeah, like, pretty much everything. Even it starts off with like the I feel like this is probably a technical term for it, but like the slightly sort of off tune, off key uh, like riff, yeah, just a little a little bit off. And it's a good lyricist too, Lane Staley.
1: Yeah, well, I think they both, uh, Cantrell wrote some of that stuff too. They they oh, okay. I'm not sure exactly cool. how the credits work, but they both wrote yeah. a lot of. I'm not sure who wrote what all the time, but like this like this song, I believe Cantrell wrote the lyrics. Right. Uh, number nine. All right, I'm doing number nine. Two more songs. Two
0: more songs. Number nine. Okay. I'm gonna
1: do. I have to do a song off of Jar of Flies because it's an amazing EP, and I'm not.
0: Okay.
1: I'm not the kind of guy that to usually love an acoustic EP, but Jar of Flies is amazing. Yeah. So I'm gonna use uh the song No Excuses. It's a bit of a okay. toss-up here because I would have liked to put a few of the songs from that album on here or that EP. Yeah. But uh, like it's a bit pretty chill and acoustic for a true workout playlist
0: but hey sometimes I listen to political podcasts when I'm working out so it's all it's all objective or subjective whatever the one is where it's opinion based subjective subjective that's the one okay
1: so I'm gonna pick no excuses and the reason I'm gonna pick no excuses is because I still remember from years ago our our uncle Gord he loved the lyrics uh, it's okay had a bad day hands are bruised from breaking rocks all day (laughs) <laughs> like, there was that line that he loved, and I just it always stuck in
0: my head. I bet it's because he worked, uh, he worked in like a rail yard for a bit, yeah, maybe <laughs> so he, it resonated with him because I know he did that for a while. Although the song is about addiction, <laughs> but I hope yeah, that he's relating more to
1: the rocks part. <laughs> I, know, kind of rocks to about. <laughs> I also highly recommend the song Nutshell and I Stay Away, mm-hmm. as I said before, they're very yeah. good songs.
0: I stay away is yeah, a personal favorite of mine. All right, uh, no excuses. It's okay. I'm definitely uh, noticing the drums a lot more in this. I don't remember the drummer's name, but Sean Kinney. Yeah, that guy. Ooh, is that a bongo? I'm sold. As soon as I hear the bongo, <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely the most positive one. Honestly, I could work out to that song.
1: No, I, I didn't say it's just
0: not. It's it's not uh, It's not it's it's not, gonna it's not my out, mo, right? <laughs> like usually yeah. the workout playlist
1: songs are fast and heavy, and but like I said, really the workout playlist is is just a name. It's yeah, really just fair. songs that I like that I want people to hear.
0: Basically. Yeah. All right, uh, number 10.
1: One more song. I'm going to throw Last this point. one in just to mix things up. It's a song called okay. Social Parasite. <laughs> it's right. uh, from it's from a compilation they, they put out called Music Bank in 1999. Uh, so okay. The band used to perform the song back when they were still known as Diamond Lie before they changed their name to Allison in Chains. Mm-hmm. And they released a demo of it on that compilation. It's a pretty straightforward rocker, basically about not giving... A shit about what people think of them uh, and if I, I noticed it later on when I was listening to it, it really actually has some Guns N' Roses influence which would make sense for the time period that it came out of, because mm-hmm. uh, there's there's actually a video of them playing this as Diamond Lie in 1988 Ooh. on YouTube, okay, which I will cool. put a link up for. Yeah,
0: yeah, it'd be really cool. So Solitude, uh, check it out Alright, Social Parasite Because here the the style is different.
1: That's that's what I mean. Did you, do you Star, notice yeah. that? Doesn't it sound like old GNR a little bit?
0: Yeah, definitely. I can see that influence. Like it's it starts off with like sort of a higher riff.
1: Well, this is definitely where they you can you can hear the the transition. This is when they were still uh, kind of edging more towards glam, and then working their way towards what their style would be as a grunge band. Yeah. Whoa. What the what the hell was
0: that? <laughs> There's like a cowbell. <laughs>
1: <What the> f- <laughs> I love it.
0: I'm sold. There's like a there's like a cowbell breakdown. I love it. <laughs> you never have too much cowbell. <laughs> and then right 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 off the start with a big fuck off. Yeah, man. I will the put. I uh, it. <laughs> yeah, I'll,
1: I'll throw a link on our, our uh, on our Facebook page to the video of them performing this live in 1988. Right. So it's yeah, it's really. actually the 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 Allison Chains lineup. The original band, but they were still called Diamond Lie, right? Right. At this time, okay. mm-hmm.
0: saying All right. Uh, is that the that's the last song, right? That's it. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, unless there's some sort of news, is there news?
1: No, I I was looking into it, and it looks like they're not touring any time in the next little while. They didn't have any tour dates or anything. So yeah, fair enough. I mean, as far as news goes, I would say, you know, check out some of their newer stuff
0: with uh, with Duval Like it's it's. Really mm-hmm. good, uh, yeah. If you're mm-hmm. like me and haven't really like listened to anything post daily, yeah.
1: Yeah, he's got a, he's got a great voice, and I can imagine uh, the way he sounds on their new material. I can imagine that he would be able to sing the old material very well live. He, he would, sounds I like he'd the so. voice for it.
0: I would yeah. hope. I would hope they would pick a guy that can do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would I would hope to see them live at some point with him. Uh, yeah. I plan to last year, or the year before, but. I mean, with COVID, it probably never even yeah. happened. But I believe we were out of town at the time, so.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll they'll be they'll be around again. I'm sure. People love oh, yeah. those uh, those nostalgia tours. Yeah. Uh, all right then. Well, unless there's uh, anything
1: else. Yeah, just uh, j- just everybody just check out our Facebook page uh, in the next few days, and I will be posting some related links that uh, you just check
0: out. So. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll get uh, get stuff up there. Some bonus, bonus material. Uh, And that is going to do it for this episode of The Heavy. So, yeah, see the show notes for a complete list of the songs that we talked about that you heard. Uh, We got a link to the Spotify playlist with all the songs from this season as well. And then be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. And if you like the show, tell a friend and leave us a star rating. If it helps just get one more person off of uh, the top 40, then you've done your job. So, uh, our website is theheavy.ca. You can email us at theheavypod at gmail.com. As Andrew said, uh, we got a Facebook page. And then also Instagram and Twitter, uh, all at The heavy pod. And our show is edited by Ian Sutherland. Andrew does all the research. Our brother Rob designed our logo, and our theme song is Stallions of the Highway by Savage Blade. I'm your host, Don Sutherland. Thanks for listening. We will catch you again in two weeks. Later.